Amen. Welcome. Thank you, Moises. Appreciate it. Well, you made it to the boringest part of the service. How are y'all doing? First of all, before we get started, I'd like to pray for a couple of needs within the body. Um, Christine Knuckles, who is our oldest member of Greater Life Church, 92 years of age, lost her sister uh, this past week. Her name was Faye. And so, Christine, we're praying for you today. We'll go into prayer for that. Shannon Hernandez also lost her mother this past week and uh, multiple surgeries. And Anyway, we just want to pray for that family that was unexpected. And um, I see Rosemary. Rosemary had a procedure for her, her in-ears. There's a fancy medical term, I'm sure, but uh, we're praying for that healing and all of that. What a precious, precious little one. Can we go to prayer for the needs in the body for just a moment? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness and your grace. I pray, God, that you would bring comfort to those who mourn right now. Christine, for Shannon, her family, may you comfort them. God, help us to be full of hope for the next life. And Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in little Rosemary's life. I pray you just continue to touch and heal her body. Touch her ears. May she hear things. In Jesus' name, amen. Typically, we don't do that, but I do feel that the needs, the beauty of the church family is that we carry one another's burdens, amen? Today, our topic is One King. We're going into the next part of the sermon series titled One Life, and today's sermon title is One King. Palm Sunday, of course, is today, and it is a day that we continue to celebrate among Christianity and churches all over the world. They're swinging palm branches and parading kids up onto the platform, and man, it's just awesome, and I love it. Uh, but the meaning of what we do about Palm Sunday is because Jesus wasn't just the Savior of the world. He is the King of it all. And what we find in Scripture is this moment in time where towards the end of his earthly ministry, this processional, which historically speaking, when a king would conquer another kingdom, another nation, another city, they would parade through the city streets and the citizens would celebrate this new coming king. Whether they liked it or not, there was a new ruler that had shown up. Jesus is here in Jerusalem, which is under Roman rule, yet the children of Israel, the Jewish people, are celebrating him as king. Why? Because in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, those that were Jewish people knew that the scriptures had spoken of this moment. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal 
of a donkey. I just imagine the zeal, the excitement, the joy, the head-popping amazement that not only was Jesus walking through and coming through this city, but he was also riding on a donkey and, yea, a colt who had never been ridden. And the people that knew their scripture, which, by the way, was everyone in the Jewish culture, they all studied the scriptures growing up in school, knew that Zechariah had foretold this day, and even the adults spent their lives praying for the Messiah, praying for their Savior, but more than that, praying for their king. When they thought of the king, they thought of the days of King David, the days where they would go and conquer the Philistines and conquer the enemies. And God would reign on high as king again. And so they celebrated. The prophecy had come true. Isaiah 9, 7 speaks to it as well. It says, There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and righteousness. From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. They felt in this moment that the king, Jesus, was going to overthrow the Roman rule that this was the beginning of the end for the Romans, that Jesus was coming in a miraculous fashion and he was showing up and now allowing himself to be celebrated as king. And what was next is that the kingdom of God was, had come to pass. Which, by the way, there's two terms used in Scripture over and over, and, and Jesus talks about it often. You have the kingdom of God and you have the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says the kingdom of God is among you. He, he, he is that. He is the king over the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven is a place. I know this is going to blow your mind because heaven is a place. And so when we think of the kingdom of heaven, how many of you guys understand or need to know that the kingdom of heaven is a place that is still to come upon the earth? It's not here yet, but it's on the way. The kingdom of God is something that's a spiritual kingdom. And I would argue that a spiritual kingdom is much greater than any kingdom that we can touch in the physical realm. Jeremiah 23, 5 says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I raise up for David a righteous branch, and he will reign as king and act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. The Jewish people said, Finally, we can be free of all of this persecution of the Romans. We can worship how we want to. The temple will be used how we were supposed to use it. King Jesus is here upon earth. He is the Messiah. Finally, finally, the days of the glory of Israel will be restored. But what they missed is this was a spiritual kingdom that was being established. A spiritual kingdom that guys for you and me in here today have the opportunity to participate in. You see, we've been grafted in. We've been welcomed and invited to be a part of the kingdom of God. Not because of our Jewish roots, but because of his death upon the cross that extended to the Gentile and the Jew alike. 
Luke chapter 19 and Mark chapter 11 is where our text will be. In just a few moments, we're going to go through a few things about what establishing and what one king, what the king of kings actually looks like. Allow me to pray over the message. Lord, have your way. Help this preacher. Open our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I feel like the best thing for us to do before we get into the story of Palm Sunday, into this procession that happened on this dusty road one day over 2,000 years ago, I think we need to figure out what the Bible says about what a king is. In order for us to appreciate Jesus as king of kings, let's look at the book of Proverbs, and I've got some scriptures I'd like to read with read to you about what God says in his word what a king is. But it, it requires a reminder because what's written in Proverbs, while it was written by a man named Solomon, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, we understand, we should know that the word is living and Jesus is the very word that we read. Amen? And so what did Jesus say a king was through the hand of Solomon? Well, the king has a growing population and he is a prince without his subjects like nothing. A king rejoices in wise servants but is angry with those who disgrace him. A king speaks with divine wisdom. He must never judge unfairly. A king detests, detests wrongdoing, for his rule is built on justice. A king is pleased with words from righteous lips. He loves those who speak honestly. The anger of the king is a deadly threat. The wise will try to appease it. When the king smiles, there is life. His favor refreshes like a spring rain. The king's anger is like a lion's roar, but his favor is like dew on the grass. The king's fury is like a lion's roar. To rouse his anger is to risk your life. When a king sits in judgment, he weighs all the evidence and distinguishes the good from the bad. A wise king scatters the wicked like wheat. Unfailing love and faithfulness protect the king. His throne is made secure through love. Whoever loves a pure heart and, a great and gracious speech will have the king as a friend. Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. I, for one, want to work for the king. How about you? My child, fear the Lord and the king. Don't associate with rebels. No one can comprehend all that goes on in the king's mind. And finally, a just king gives stability to his nation. This is what the word of God says a king is. Consider for a moment the Proverbs that I just read through. Many scriptures, and yet it, it has this feeling of kind of a tennis match. On the one hand, you have a king is gracious and kind, loving, merciful. But on the other hand, you have a king who's angry and demands justice. Interestingly enough, we have 
in our churches all over this nation the gospel of the king that loves the king that longs for a relationship the king that wants to be with you so bad the king that needs you is preached often but the truth that is still as weighty and as needed is the fact that there is a king who is angry at rebellion, at sin, at wrongdoing, at injustice, at abuse. There is a king who demands that someone die for their sin. And it was that king Jesus, who put himself on that cross and said, I know justice has to be served. The anger of God must have justice and paid the price for me and you. Listen, because the fact of the matter is we can celebrate the grace and the mercy of the king who loves us and cares for us. We can only celebrate that because the anger of the king has been satisfied by the king himself. Wrap your head around that one. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, I did not run to pay the price for the sins of my brothers, of which there were many. I found myself quick to help my parents find the culprit of all wrongdoing in the home. But in all seriousness, it boggles the mind to consider that a king would step off his throne for the servant who kneels before him deserving death. Say, I'll pay that price. How do we respond to this king? Luke chapter 19, we see this beautiful procession that takes place beginning in verse 28. I'd like to read through it. Beginning in verse 28. Do we have the, are they per, do we have the whole thing? Okay, good deal. I'm going to go through the whole thing, and then we'll come back and talk about some of it. After telling this story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead. Go into the village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, why are you untying that colt? Just say, the Lord needs it. So they went and they found the colt, just as Jesus had said. And sure enough, they were, as they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? The so the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. 
When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all the followers began to shout and to sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. He replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst out into cheers. How do we respond to the king? First of all, we obey the king. We obey the king. Obedience to the king is something that's very forthwith and it's very honest and it's very quick. <laughs> because when you disobey the king, the king has the authority to bring in judgment, right? Obeying the king happens for three reasons. First of all, we might obey the king out of fear. When I think of obeying a king out of fear, I think of Vikings. I think of those kind of kings, the mean ones that would throw axes at you if you talk back to them. That's what, turkey leg in one hand and axe in the, you know what I'm talking about? But that's what I think about. But can I tell you something that maybe your walk with Christ will begin in this moment, we just talked about the grace and the mercy that God gives us that the king will extend to us if we accept the gift of salvation. But when we don't, there's only anger and judgment. This is the truth. This is the reality for the one that doesn't obey the king. We obey out of fear. And honestly, it's okay for it to start that way. I, I believe we miss it. Sometimes we say, well, you shouldn't preach. You shouldn't preach hell. You're just scaring people into heaven. Thank God. Because sometimes that's what it takes. Can I tell you something? I didn't always obey mom and dad because it was the right thing to do. I saw that stupid belt with the smiley face buckle hanging on the wall. No joke. And I thought twice. And something we miss, sometimes we, but because the gospel has kind of been watered down. We miss that there is a holy God. Stop playing with him. We, we, we may live this life and never truly experience the judgment that comes, but man, eternity's a long time to miss the mark. Oh. <sighs> We obey out of fear when a conquering king would take over a nation. The subjects of the new kingdom established under the new king only had one choice, obey or suffer. So it may have started out of fear, but as they begin to live within the kingdom under the rule of the new king, they begin to realize maybe, maybe this king is not so bad. Maybe this king actually is a good king and we become to a place, we bring ourselves to a place where we love the king and we start obeying out of love. And when we obey out of love, we begin to experience a whole new level of understanding because we want to get to know the king. Man, this king is awesome. And, you know, I believe that God made no mistake that, the, that there are scriptures that talk about judgment. It's in here. 
And God wants you to know, come unto me. Please don't miss this. Hebrews reminds us that it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. And it is God's heart that no one goes to hell, but that all would be saved. We obey out of fear in the beginning, but it moves to a, a love for the king. I, for one, experience in my own life, more and the more and more I walk with Jesus, the more reasons I figure out that I can obey him out of love. But can I tell you something? There's always this thing in the back of my head that I better not. I better not curse the Lord. I better not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I better walk lightly because he is still just and I am not. He is still God and I am just a man. Amen? I think it's a healthy thing, friends. You know, I'll put it to you this way. Some of you, some of, some of us, not you, certainly not anyone in this room, some of us are more intimidated by that boss at work than we are of the God of heaven and earth. Can you imagine if we would just begin with the same respect, the same honor that we gave someone we interact with on a daily basis that we started to at least treat God on that level. The third thing we begin to see is we may start obeying out of fear and I believe that it moves into obeying out of love and then we obey out of trust. The word trust and obey in the original languages of Scripture is very interchangeable. Sometimes the word trust and obey can be just the same exact word. Why? Because when we trust someone we obey them if they lead us down a wrong path then we don't trust them why in the world will we listen to their advice but if what they ask us to do always brings us to a place of blessing then we begin to trust them and when we trust them we obey them it's the old nursery song trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in jesus the disciples are a perfect example here in the text jesus says go into that village over there in verse 30. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there. No one has ever ridden. Untie it. Bring it here. If anyone asks you, who, why are you untying this colt? Just said the Lord needs it. I love this. Not only did he tell them what to do and the disciples, they went and did it, but he also prepared them for the objections. Somebody's going to ask you. Now, can you picture for just a moment the disciples going and not being prepared? See, Jesus knows that sometimes we need more help. They go there and they get the donkey. Hey, man, here's the donkey. Let's get it. You get that in, you get that in. And then the owner comes out. <laughs> hey, what are y'all doing? You see, if Jesus didn't tell them, somebody's going to ask, what are y'all doing? Then they would have said, nothing. We good, man. We're going to go on down the road and find the next donkey. <laughs> right? But Jesus prepared them. Did you know that God is preparing you for every obstacle that he's called you to walk through? Sometimes we forget that he knows the end from the beginning. <laughs> that he's already been there. And he says, hey, I want you to go over there, but be ready for this. Pastor Andrew, I, God has never told me to go over there and be ready for this. 
<laughs> That's what this is for. Can we just walk around for a moment and stop saying, I need fresh revelation from God. There's a whole book titled Revelation of Jesus Christ in this. But also the entire book is a revelation from God unto you by the leading and the explaining and the unveiling through the Holy Spirit. You read this and ask the Holy Spirit to show you something, He will. And guess what He'll show you? He'll show you, here's King Jesus here, here's King Jesus here, here's King Jesus here. Obey the King. Number two, when we find ourselves in a position and we begin to make decisions to obey the King, we see this relationship and we just can't help but exalting the king. Number two, exalt the king. Exalt the king. Luke 19, 36 through 38 shows us that there were garments of praise, that they took their garments and they throwed them along the road. The garment here is talit. It, it's a prayer shawl. And the Jewish people would have a seamless garment that they would wear. And on the four corners it, had, corners, it had tassels attached. And the four corners would remind the Jewish people of the commands of God. Even on its collar, the Hebrew letters would spell Lord of Lords and King of Kings as a reminder that the Messiah was going to come. Now, this prayer shawl was an expensive piece of their clothing. It wasn't just something that... that they would just not care about. This is something that they would wear when they would go to worship. It's something that would remind them of the Messiah that was coming because of what was on there. It's something that they would earn through their training and their education. And here they are quickly taking it off and throwing it on the dirt. Why? One king, his name was Jesus. They saw him coming down this road. And everything that they'd hoped for and everything that they prayed for and everything that believed for was finally taking place right before their very eyes. Oh my goodness, he's riding a colt. Oh my goodness, he's coming down the road. Oh my goodness, it, it, it's him, it's the king. Right? They were so excited that the prophecy was becoming fulfilled right before their very eyes. I want to take a minute and just step back from this message and invite you to Good Friday service at 7 o'clock. Because the same people that took their garments off and laid them in the road for the King of Kings to walk through are the same people that were yelling just a few days later, crucify him. Wait a minute, Jesus didn't take over the Roman government? What is going on? Crucify him, kill him. The second thing we see is branches of praise. I think this is interesting. I won't take much time on it, but the scripture tells us that they took palm branches and, and laid them down on, on the road as well. There were people that didn't have this garment, this prayer shawl, and they, they would lay this, these palm branches. They went nearby and they cut them and they put them and they brought them on the road. Why? So not only did Jesus' feet not have to touch the ground, but the colt's hooves didn't even touch the ground. It was a way to honor the king. Now, here's the cool part, palm branches. I read that palm branches come to fruition, begin to bear fruit after 30 years. That's just a side note. I just think that's cool because here's the thing. 
We've talked about Jesus, how he started his earthly ministry at 30 years old. We talked about Jewish tradition and how, how the, the assignment of the priest would begin to actually kick in at age 30. That was the age they had to be to begin to serve in those, in those duties. And so Jesus started his earthly ministry at 30 years old. It was something that God ordained that men would begin to serve at 30 years old. And then the palm branch came to fruition to be used to lay under the king's feet after it had come to fruition in 30 years. What I see here is fingerprints of God. The creator of it all said, watch this, watch this, watch this. I mean, am I the only one that thinks that's cool? And yet, we get a bill that we didn't expect. <laughs> you don't know about this, but I just got this phone call. I just got this bill. My kid won't listen. My spouse is mean. Oh, God. But he made the palm tree be 30 years old. People back there cutting it off, throwing it on the ground. I got to just, I got to take a minute. God, you are awesome. <laughs> Amen? Thirdly, songs of praise. How do we exalt the king? Our garments of praise. Give what's valuable to you and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Branches of praise. If you don't have something that you feel is valuable, then find something and give it to him anyway. Thirdly, songs of praise. Here's what happens when you sing. You glorify God. When you sing, you obey. Listen, singing is not an option when we look at Scripture. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Sing because he deserves it. When you sing, you dig deep roots into the word. Exalt your king. Number three, choose your king. Here we see the Pharisees, which represent everything that's wrong about religion. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying that. Choose your king. There's only two options, guys. Those who reject and those who accept. In Matthew chapter 18, and again in Matthew chapter 22, Jesus teaches a couple of parables about a king. And in both of them, it has this idea that there was a gracious king who extended an invitation, and it was rejected. And when the invitation was rejected, this king responded with judgment. Now, it is Jesus that told the story. And it was Jesus that was bringing the point to the people to say, listen, I am reaching out. I am inviting. I am saying, be a part of the kingdom. But the choice is ours. The choice is yours. Accept the king. When you reject it, people say, why would God, why would a loving God send anybody to hell? He doesn't. He doesn't. He created hell for the devil and his angels. 
God doesn't send anybody to hell. People send themselves by rejecting the king. Ephesians 4, 17 through 19 says, With the Lord's authority, I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives them. God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. They have no sense of shame. Sound familiar? They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Friends, the world has fallen apart at the seams. It is. But the king is still on the throne. Amen? <laughs> we have the other option. Choose your king. Those who accept it, accept him. Consider this idea. A teacher cannot teach unless you show up for class. The pastor cannot care unless you are part of the church. And a king cannot intervene on your behalf unless you are one of his subjects. How can we expect Jesus to walk with us Minister to us, bless us, protect us. We are running full speed away from him. And yet we keep running into obstacles and running into walls and keep getting confused. And say, oh, God, why would you let this happen? And God is saying, you're doing it to yourself. Allow me to be the king of your life. We need to separate these two things. Number one, Jesus is the Savior. He is the hope of the world. He can save us from our eternal judgment and damnation. He can save our souls through the power of the cross. Yes. But we cannot stop with just, Lord, I want you to save me, but I want to do whatever I want to do. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. The first job that I had was McDonald's. I was 14 years old. Yes, my parents made me go to work at 14. Horrible. I got a job at McDonald's in Arboretum. Shows you how old I am. It was brand new then. They gave me uniforms. I said, hey, free clothes. Anyway, I got a job at McDonald's because I like McDonald's food. I was 14. I could eat all day and nothing would happen to me. Now I go to McDonald's one time and I get just a side of fries or something and I'm dead for two days. I'm just, oh, God. Anyway, it's a result of the fall. Anyway, what I'm saying is I got a job at McDonald's and I went to a grand opening and I was walking around, you know, wiping the trays. My job was lot and lobby because I was too young to be in the grill and they wouldn't put me in the register and all that. So I'd walk around then I go hide for a while, and then I come walk around. And, and then the very next weekend, I was supposed to work. I was working on Saturday. I was supposed to work on Saturday, and I didn't go. And then the next weekend, I didn't go. And the three weekends went by, and I didn't go. And then I came back. I was like, okay, I need, I'm out of money. That $35 I made, I had to go back to work. And so I went back to work, and I got money to my manager. I walked in. I clocked in, like, you know, what's going on? And I went, and I started wiping trays down, and and my manager said, hey, Andrew, I need to talk to you about something. Oh, okay, what's up, man? Um, where have you been? Oh, I, didn't, I just didn't want, I didn't want to work 
those days. Um, okay, uh, well, you know, when we schedule you, you need to come, you need to come and work, or, or at least let us know that you're not going to come. Oh, my bad, my bad, I didn't know, I didn't know that's how it worked. Yeah, go ahead and, uh, go ahead and uh, clock out, and uh, we appreciate your, we appreciate your help working for McDonald's, you know, you have a good day. What? You mean, I'm, you mean I can't work here anymore? No, 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 no. You can go home. We appreciate that. What about that meal that I get at lunchtime? Can I get a double cheese to go? No, in all seriousness, I, I, I work for McDonald's. I wanted the benefits of being at McDonald's, but I didn't want to follow the rules of McDonald's. It doesn't work that way. Lord, I want all the benefits of forgiveness, of blessing, of favor, of your protection, of your goodness, of heaven. But I don't want to do what you say. In order to accept the salvation of the Lord, we also must accept the kingship of the King of Kings. We have to take both. Amen? He's a good king. He's a perfect king. He's a just king. Obey out of fear, whatever. Let it grow into love and learn to trust on him. Trust me, there is no greater king who ever was, who ever will be. In Revelation, Jesus shows up on the scene. And I know, I said, with, with the world's falling apart at the seams, and there is, there is no hope for this world. Listen, the world itself. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. But Jesus is going to push reset at the end of all this. And there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, and his throne will be established forever. In Revelation 10, it tells us there's an angel that stands with one foot in the water and one foot on the earth and declares that there is a new kingdom, there is a new timeline, and time as we know it is gone forever. Why? Because you don't have to check your phone, you don't have to check your clock, because time doesn't matter, because eternity has begun, and there's one king that's there, and it says here that a just king gives stability to his nation, and that nation, friend, is the kingdom of heaven that will be established on the earth. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven will become one under one king, and he is the king of kings, and I want you to go with me. Amen? Let me ask you a question. If you're here today, I want to encourage you with this. You may be here today and you've accepted the salvation that comes with Christ Jesus. You've confessed, you've, you've, you've said you're sorry for the sin in your life and, and understood that you, you cannot get into heaven without accepting the salvation that comes from Jesus. You know that. You've accepted that. But you may be here today and you haven't accepted the kingship of Jesus yet. Pastor, what does that mean? Here's what that means. You've said a prayer, you've made a commitment, and then you didn't change anything. It's one and then the other. Lord, save me from my sin and then help me not to live in my sin anymore. And Will you be perfect? No. There is none perfect except for Jesus. 
this world, there's sin, there's realities that we face, there's temptations every day. No, you won't be perfect. But guess what? God knows when you're trying. Yeah? So my question to you today is this, on this Palm Sunday, you may have already accepted him as your Savior, and maybe you haven't. But today, will you accept him as your king? If you'll accept him as your king, stand to your feet right now. I'm standing. He's standing. We're standing. Is he your king? Is he your king? Here's what I think. Here's what I believe. We just stood in, in a room with people in a nice, cozy place. But there may come a time where standing means persecution. We don't experience that here in America. But we're saying here today that you're my king. No matter what I face, you're still my king. Would you bow your heads? Allow me to pray. Lord Jesus, in the room today, there's an army that has risen. And God, maybe there are some in here that didn't accept your leadership. But today, there are many that have said they will obey. They will serve. They will trust. God, change us from the inside out. Help us. Help us to do the best that we can. And Lord Jesus, I pray when our efforts fall short that your grace would come in like a flood. That's our only hope. And Lord, I pray even now that there are so many in this room that know someone that needs to be standing next to them. I pray, God, you'd open our eyes to that. May the spirit of evangelism be upon these people. May you lead us and guide us to the lost one. May we go under your blessing and may we be encouraged to obey each day your call. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As mentioned before, we have Good Friday service at 7 o'clock. Of course, Grow Night happens on Wednesday evenings and uh, Easter Sundays next week. We'll have a photo booth at Good Friday and Easter Sunday. So those clothes that you put on won't be wasted. You can take a picture. <laughs> God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you all for being here.